Good to be in the house of the Lord today. I I know He'll address it when I'm done. But uh, happy Father's Day and um, happy birthday, Glenn. Thank you for making me feel old today. <laughs> Amen. So so good to be back in the house of God today. I I told your pastor this morning. This to me. This is such a privilege to come to a, a home missions work, a work that's just starting, because this is where the excitement is. I've preached in bigger churches, and you know what? That's not my gig. I'd sooner come here and preach to you folks. I, uh, I've seen God do a lot of things, and I know you're standing, and I was sitting over there, and I must, I must tell you, I was sitting because... Uh, Two reasons. One, I'm old, and two, I I had knee surgery before I came down, and um, had to get injections the day before, and so uh, they lasted about a week, and so it's back to what it was before the injections, and and so I was trying to rest it, and and three, he said make myself comfortable, so I did. So, if, beloved, if you have a problem with that, you take it up with the pastor. Amen. So, so let's 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 uh, let's read the scripture, and I'll let you be seated because I don't want to keep you standing any longer. Um, let's go to Galatians six and nine, and I'll read two verses there and let you be seated. Galatians six and nine. The writer said, "Be not weary in well doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not." And let us. Uh, and Matthew, we're going to go one in Matthew too. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. And he said, another parable put he forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Would you pray one more time and ask God to help us today? Lord, we thank you. We ask God you help us today, understand your word. God, let revelation come to us today, God, that we might understand what we hear and what we read, and God, hide it away in our heart that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name, amen, you can be seated. And while you're, you're uh, giving me time to figure out my iPad, <laughs> um, there's a lot of things in my mind today, but um, you know, one of them, one of the many things that I think about is something that that a man said not too long ago at my home church. He said, "I don't want God uh, necessarily. I don't want to pray necessarily for God to to bless what I'm doing. I want to do what God is blessing." And there's a big difference between that and what we would do. And, um, you know, uh, it's dangerous for a preacher to sit very long and wait for service to, you know, get to the part where he has to say what he has to say because there's so many things go through a preacher's head. But I'm not going to give you everything that goes through my mind. Most of it's just put in the discard bucket, okay? But, but I, I said this to, 
Pastor Riggins' church the other day, you know, uh, and I may touch on it later, but you, the greatest test you'll ever face is how to handle people that mishandle you. Anybody here ever been hurt? Put your hand up. Let me see. Okay. That's, that's talking about you. Your greatest test is going to be how you handle who hurt you. Okay. So let's, let's see what we can learn here. This passage in Matthew, he, he goes on, he said, but, but while men slept, this man sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? And he said, Nay, lest while ye gather the tares up, ye read up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of harvest, I'll say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them into bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, you go through life and you live very long, you're going to have to reap crops you never sowed. Okay? And you may have to buy a field or two that, that you don't want to buy. Right? And you say, well, I, I didn't have anything to do with that, but I'm suffering for it. Well, you're reaping what you didn't sow. And you may have to buy fields you don't want to buy. You know, there's another passage of Scripture that's going to help us today, found in Amos chapter 3 and verse 12. Said, Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus a in a couch. Okay, let's, let's talk for a second here. Um, understand, in this passage in Amos the lion, uh, it... it it's slain a a sheep a sh uh, a, a, sh a sheep a sheep and and a lamb perhaps I, I'm not sure it doesn't say it just says there's two legs and a piece of an ear and uh, uh, the 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 shepherd no doubt brother Hilton had to slay the lion to get what was left of this sheep or lamb but the damage had already been done. This dead lion, no doubt, has his belly full of sheep meat, and blood has been shed, and there's death present. Now, i got a question for you. Does the shepherd sit in consternation and befuddlement under a tree and scratch his face as the flock wanders off? Does he pay them no mind while he holds what's left of that little sheep or that little lamb that he's responsible for, as he holds it in his hand, does he lose focus? No, I don't think he does. I think he realizes that lions seldom travel alone and that there are probably other lions somewhere lurking close by to consume his sheep. So he cannot be concerned with the sheep that is dead uh, and leave his flock of living sheep unattended. He may mourn the loss of a sheep, but he's very much aware that he could lose more sheep. Yeah. 
if he loses focus. If he focuses on what he no longer has and focuses on what that he does not have, which is a sheep to replace what he just lost, then more sheep will be lost. So, I said that to say that, this. Let us consider you're trying to grow a church, right? So, my, my little message today is both to you and your good wife and these good saints of God who come here. Let's consider what it takes to grow a church. Because you're going to help this couple grow this church. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And it takes endless effort. And it takes resources. And it takes focus. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody's faith. But I'm going to tell you that in my experience, that generally sheep have one or two lambs a year. They don't have 25 or 30 a year. They just don't do that. You know, they're kind of like a human. You know, naturally speaking, I guess there's twins and there's triplets and maybe even four kids born to a woman at one, maybe, I don't know, five. Now you can have as many as eight, I guess. That woman had eight kids. You imagine that? All them yanging kids at one time. But, but generally speaking, it's one or two, maybe three. And so sheep are the same way. They don't produce 25 or 30 lambs a year, Brother Hilton, just one or two. And if you're not careful, what happens is you can lose focus and concentrate all the ones that haven't been born yet. Now, I notice we don't have we don't have a lot of these creatures up home, where I come from, but uh, they got them down here and they got them in the Philippines. And you know, cockroaches can have as many as one hundred and sixty thousand babies a year from one cockroach because they're asexual. They don't need, you know, they're they're both sexes at the same time. I guess, but you imagine. That's not the way that sheep have babies, just one or two a year. Ask yourself the question. Oh, oh, you're praying for revival. But ask yourself the question, what kind of revival do you really want? Do you want a sheep revival or do you want a cockroach revival? Huh? You want one of them woolly little lambs hanging out around your feet or do you want a bunch of cockroaches crawling around? I'm just, you're trying to grow a church. Now, brother, I'm going to tell you how to fill this church up in one Sunday. Tell you how to do it. Don't preach one God anymore. Don't preach Jesus' name baptism anymore. Don't preach the Holy Ghost anymore. And for sure, don't preach holiness anymore. And brother, you just go down to town and tell them, we're the church that so don't preach anything. Don't, you don't have to change anything. Jesus loves his yard. Just, just come on. You'll fill this place up. But you know what you'll have? You won't have a sheep revival. So, so here, here, I'm not trying to kill your faith. Please understand that. Growing a church takes certain things no matter how much faith you have. 
God has his own plan for growing a church. And usually, it's as he adds to the church daily, such as should be saved. It's, it's, a, it's a plan that brings with it a deep satisfaction and a lasting fulfillment. Are there disappointments? I promise you there are. Uh, but to be wrapped up in numbers sometimes is to be distracted by numbers. Let me tell you a story, okay? Uh, I have a friend. Well, I, he used to be my friend, I guess, but he don't, he don't call me anymore, so I guess on his end I'm not his friend. But I, he's still my friend. But he had a small church and probably 40 or 50, and he, 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 he went to a meeting and he, he said that some guy spoke to him. Now, you got to be careful who speaks to you. You don't want just anybody filling your cup and telling you all kind of things because the person that's talking, they may not be godly. They may, they may be toxic. But he went to a meeting and, and some, he said some preacher told him by the end of the year he was going to have 300 people. So he came home and he told his church, we're going to run 300 by the end of the year. Well, that was, you know, that, that just didn't happen. And so, so every time he'd get up to the pulpit, it seemed like he was bringing this up, bringing this up, bringing this up. So he asked me to preach, and, and um, I, just, I just told him. I said, you're not, you're not doing right. You're, 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 you're not doing right by putting that on your church because you, not only will God not do that, Give 300 people when you can't even take care of the 50 you got. See, you got a church, you as a church body have to understand to grow a church, you have to be able to take care of new, new babies. Where'd that little baby go? She took that little rascal out. <laughs> listen, listen, that little baby, you, you got to take care of that little rascal. You got to feed that baby, you got to change its diaper, you got to get up in the night. My Lord, they're just, you just can't let them just hang out. And so I told that guy, I said, listen, it'd be better for you to pray two or three people through a year and be able to take care of them and then be in church five, ten years later than reach for some magic number that you can't ever attain because it's not the will of God for God to give you 300 people at one time. Now, I'm not trying to kill your faith, but I'm trying to give you, say, brother, that is not faith. You're right. It's not. It's wisdom. You frustrate yourself. God, we only prayed through three last week. Well, I'd be rejoicing if I was you. I went to a church one time, Brother Hilton, and the guy had 30 people. And we didn't, we didn't went there that long. I think it was there about six weeks. And we had 10 get the Holy Ghost, eight adults and two kids, and he was disappointed. Brother, like 30 and you get 10? That's a big increase. When you figure percentage-wise, and, and well, I just, I'm just trying to show you that God will give you people if you can take care of them. But this idea of, of the church producing Three, four hundred people when you can only take care of maybe ten, you know. It's a fallacy. We're, we're distracted. from When you get distracted that way and you lose focus of what God really wants to do, you won't have anything. You just come and tread water. 
I'm talking about growing a church. Hey, God will give you the amount of people you can handle. I've had, I've had preachers ask me, why can't I have a breakthrough? That guy asked me. He said, why can't I? Why can't I have this breakthrough? God has promised me. And I told that guy, I said, no, God didn't promise you that. I know the man that you're saying said that. He didn't say that. He's not that dumb. He's smart. And he, he, he took great offense to that. I said, listen, you, you, why don't you focus on the ones you do have and not focus on the ones you don't have? You see, I've learned this from an old man of God. He said, if mama's healthy, mama's going to bring forth babies. You, you get mama healthy, Brother Hilton, I'm gonna, I, I promise you before God, he will give you babies. This church will grow. I told my wife, I leaned over and said, no, listen, that, that, that stuff he was teaching, that, 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 that's really good stuff. That's, that's excellent stuff. And if you, if you didn't hear me speak and you just heard him speak today, you could leave this place full. But the devil, he comes along and he wants you to focus on false expectations. He wants you to be stressed, losing sleep, and consuming your prayer time with endless questions of why I don't have more and self-doubt. It's just a distraction. See, if he can get you reaching and grabbing for the wrong thing, you'll waste time and effort and resource and focus. You have to recognize it for what it is. It's just a distraction. You know, dealing with people, and I'm sure your pastor will agree, but sometimes dealing with people is like dealing with fire. There's always going to be fires to put out. There's things to handle. There's problems to solve. But sometimes they're just distractions. Don't let it, don't let it mess with your head. Church, if you're going to grow a church, you gotta, if you're going to pray for the, mud, uh, the rain, you've got to put up with the mud. And people come with problems. We're living in a broken world. Nobody comes that's... To this place that's not broken, it's not got hang-ups. But aren't you thankful that Jesus was hung up for our hang-ups? Well, say, you know, you was always in church. You must have been one of them goody-goodies. No, 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 I promise you, I would not know goody-goody. But through the hand of God, God, God saved me and God gave me a chance. And there's going to be people that come here just like what I was. But look here 47 years later, who'd have ever thought? that I'd be standing behind a pulpit preaching to a group of people I don't even know. Listen, there's always going to be problems, always going to be things, but sometimes they're just distractions. You know, I've, <laughs> I've watched pastors deal with problems and, and people, and, and you know, they'll, they'll, they'll hold something up and say, Pastor, this is my problem. Really, that's not their problem. That's a straw man. And if you talk to them long enough, you'll get to the real problem. I'm thinking of a couple right now. Uh, her name was Amy. His name was Jimmy. And uh, uh, Amy's problem was she, she was rebellious, and she wouldn't do what her husband asked her to do. And so they had problems at home, and they had problems in church. And her, his problem was that he would accommodate her in her problem. You know, 
I mean, if, she's, if she had a problem drinking, which she didn't that I know of, but if she had a problem drinking uh, alcohol, it would be like he was going and buy her a quart of liquor every day. He was accommodating her problem. So my point is this couple would consume endless time with the pastor and his wife till it was all they could talk about, and they were losing focus. So we entered the picture, and one night after church, she, she and her husband were having a session of intense fellowship, and you'll have to go and learn what that means, but, but uh, the pastor asked us to kind of get involved, and so she turned it to me, Amy did, and she said, blah, blah, you know, what do you think? She just, I mean, she just started, and I just talked to the hand. Stop. And I just told her. I said, you're, you're, you know what your biggest problem is? You're just rebellious, and you won't listen to your husband. And I said, you accommodate her. Quit doing what you're doing and listen to the pastor. The problem was God was trying to grow a, grow a church, but here was a major distraction. You know, remember, don't lose focus. You're trying to grow a church here. In all what you do, whether it's outreach, whether it's eating donuts back yonder, whether it's having Sunday school, what doesn't matter whether you're cleaning the yard up, whatever you're doing here, you're trying to grow a church. Now, the Bible said the enemy comes not but to steal and to kill and destroy. And I said this a while ago in another church, but, but the devil, he's faithful. He comes to every church service. Now, he's not loyal. What you're looking to be is not just faithful. You're looking to be loyal. There is a difference. And the enemy comes just to kill, to steal, to destroy. How does the enemy do that? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Brother Tuff, you, you watch this. The enemy moves through people that are not spiritual. They're carnal they're uncommitted, and they're prayerless people. So if you don't want the enemy to work through you, pray, commit, pray, commit, and don't be carnal. Be spiritual. Listen, people can look good. They can talk good. They can have the correct actions and the correct responses, but there's something not quite right about them. What is that? Well, you can't put your finger on it, but you know they're just not right. It's like trying to grab smoke or, you know, uh, house of mirrors, you know, nothing, everything's out of focus and it's just not quite right. Well, what is that? Well, they're elusive and they're evasive and listen, listen, they could be this, they could be that. Well, just, just wait, just don't get excited. Don't try to figure it out. Just wait, because God will make it plain who they are. Did not our passage of Scripture say, let them grow together? Let them wheat and them tares grow together. And at harvest time, he'll make it plain. What's wheat? What's not wheat? You're losing focus. Don't, don't, don't use up brain cells trying to figure people out. I'll leave that up with God. Listen. Don't struggle with what you don't know. 
take hold of what you do know. Brother Hilton, I don't know what makes those people tick. I, I, I don't know why they make those kind of decisions. But I'm not going to sit around and waste what little bit of brain cells I got left trying to figure it out. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take hold of what I do know. I know that God is in every service, and God wants to save people. There's people coming here, brother, that are broken. They're hungry. The devil's tried to destroy them. They're hurting, and I know that God will heal them. God will help them. I'm going to take hold of the things that I know are right. I'm not going to lose focus and waste resources and time. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I think that God would have me do, and that is just wait on him. Hey. You've got good, solid, spiritual people. Brother, my advice to you is take them higher. Take them deeper. Don't let the problems that come your way make you lose focus. You can lose focus on what God is doing. Did you know a church can carry revival in the womb and be distracted and lose the baby called growth? The church can miscarry growth because of distractions. Oh, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, because I don't want to take too long. But but the enemy, the devil, will bring people along to consume your time and your attention. You'll pray about the wrong things. You'll pray about efforts that will yield no fruit, and you'll be so frustrated. Listen, let me let me explain myself. We we went to teach a Bible study, and it was my first Bible study. Brother, it looked so promising. Man, they took the whole ten lessons and I mean, it was just, it was a good feeling, and it was nothing. I taught another one. I taught another one. Brother, I taught Bible studies and more Bible studies and never got one bitter result. And I got mad. And I went to God to stomp my foot and said, God, I ain't teaching another Bible study until you give me somebody that wants to be saved. Okay. Six months passed. A year passes. A year and a half passes. Two years pass. I ain't teaching Bible study. They'd get up there, brother. They'd promote them home Bible studies. I think at that time in the church, we were probably teaching 65 home Bible studies, uh, you know, collectively, and I'm not teaching the one. And I ain't going to. I told God I ain't doing it. Not to you give me somebody that's hungry. And so one night after church, this English lady said, hey, would you be interested in teaching a bunch of high school kids a Bible study? She said, now they're messed up. And my little antenna went back up. I said, sure. I think there was six at one time in that Bible study. And I, I watched God feel, I think it was five of them with the Holy Ghost. And I think five of them, four or five of them got baptized. And I remember baptizing one of them. He was a big old native boy. And uh, I was standing on a table in front of the baptismal tank, a little Sunday school table they brought because I didn't want to get down in the water with him. And, and, and I didn't bring a change of clothes. And so, so when I put him under, brother, he was like putting in a big block of concrete. He went all the way to the bottom of that tank and pulled me off that little table and almost pulled me in the tank with him. Well, I pulled him back up, brother. He was talking in tongues and he went to shouting, brother. That place went nuts, and I'm on that little table, and I look down, there's two or three guys holding the table up because the legs done broke on it, right, when I pulled him back up. What I'm telling you is, 
you, 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 you can lose focus. But don't, 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 don't do things that will yield no fruit. You'll be fr- I was so frustrated. I wasted a lot of time on people that didn't want to change. They're not interested in being saved. Listen, everybody needs a chance. You know, you, you can be distracted with people that will just eat your time up. I think God will give us wisdom. I don't, I don't want to be unkind. Please, please, I'm trying to be kind, but you know what? Some people are just scaffold. They'll pay the light bill. They'll clean the yard. They'll mow the grass. But I don't know if they'll ever make a saint. But you've got to try. But don't let them become a distraction. In our passage of Scripture, that shepherd just had two legs and a piece of ear. He didn't even have enough to make a saint. You understand what's going on here? So don't fuss about people who don't want what you have, that don't want to be saved. Go find someone that does. Focus on those people who do want to be saved. Focus on people that want to grow in God. My pastor teaches on Thursday night a little thing he calls next level. And really it's not, it's not a regimented Bible study, nothing like that. It's just a bunch of visitors and maybe new converts that come downstairs and he, he told me he said he, he he just gets the Bible out and he was reading some scripture about baptism and he said hey hey he said uh, what you think about this verse right here and he read the verse and one of those men that had been coming for weeks said well pastor according to that verse none of us down here is baptized right except for you he said I think you ought to take the whole bunch of us upstairs and baptize us well, he took four up that night and two the next morning and baptized them. You, you have to understand, it, it, there's a way to do this that just works. My hat is off to your pastor and his wife because that's what they're trying to do here is grow a church. What, do you, what are you doing? I'm trying to push it the right direction. It's so easy to fuss with people that don't want to be saved. We must learn the difference. Everybody that comes through the door is not going to want what we have, even though they need what we have. We have to learn the difference. I gave up trying to save 200 uh, when I couldn't even save two. I mean, I can't save them anyway. Hey, we need to use some wisdom. Don't let the enemy distract you by reaching for some magic number. I'd sooner take two or three in God's time. Say, what does that do? Okay, let's just talk about it for a second. I like to pick battles I can win. I don't like losing. So if I pick a battle I can't win, and I fight all day long and I don't win, I go to bed a loser. And you know what else? I wake up a loser. But if I pick a battle I can win, I go to bed a winner and I wake up a winner. Listen, rather than always feeling like an underachiever because we don't reach that magic number, why not just rejoice in the two or three that God gives us? You know, they used to have these commitment services. and How many Bible studies are you going to teach this year? A thousand! You know, you quote some magic number to God, and in the back of your mind, you know you're not going to do that. 
And at the end of that year, you feel like you lied to God. Don't do that. I quit doing that. I said, God, if you'll give me one or two, I'll, I'll teach one or two. I don't want to... I don't want to destroy your faith, but listen, we have to face this thing with wisdom. Learn to stay focused and use your resources widely. Your, your time, you can't get it back. If you waste time, it's gone. It's not a renewable resource. God is in the business of church growth of increase, of adding and multiplying. Remember, this is not my church. It's not Brother Hilton's church. It's not your church. It's God's church. And he, it, he comes here every day looking for someone to add to his church. I got to quit. I got to quit. I'm not done, but I'm going to quit. Look, my pastor told me the other day, he said, you know, well, sometime back he said, if nothing else, you're practical. That's really, that's really all I am. I'm just a practical person. And I, Brother Hilton, you encouraged me this morning when you said you changed the order of your service because you didn't feel like blah, 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 it was working that well. Well, you know what? If it ain't working, let's change it. Let's do something else. Hey, there's not room enough in this building to contain the revival that God has for you if you'll stay focused. Why don't you stand? Why don't you stand? You know, and I, I, must, I must make this comment. So this is off t- subject, but I, it's, it's a distraction, right? This has got to be the biggest iPad I've ever seen <laughs> up here on this platform. I'm looking at this thing. I said, my God, where did he get that iPad? You see how easy it is to get distracted? Listen, this is the truth. I went, I listened to a message, and in the message, the preacher said, a question came to him while he was praying. Is a cow's ears behind his horns or in front of his horns? And that's all he thought about the rest of the time he's supposed to be praying. I'm serious. It's a distraction. But I thought about it, too, when I heard it. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, until I went and found me a cow and looked. <laughs> now, I, I'm, I'm just saying, don't, don't be distracted, church. God has got good things for you. And all I can tell you in closing is S-O-S. Now, I come from the coast, so that means in maritime language, save our soul. You know, when they hit that little thing that sends out the message, S-O-S, well, that's what it means, save our soul. But in apostolic world, that means slide over some. In other words, make room because there are more people coming. And when they come, don't lose focus. Brother Hilton, I hope I helped you. I hope I didn't hinder you. Amen. Let's love the Lord right now. Can we do that? Lord, we love you, Jesus. My God, I thank you oh come on let's let's really love the lord let's thank him for his word this morning jesus i love you today god you are worthy to be praised here today oh i thank you lord for speaking to us jesus lord you are faithful to us 
We magnify your holy name here today, Jesus. We magnify you in this place. We magnify you in this place. Praise God. Amen. I, I am thankful for his word today. I'm encouraged in my spirit this morning. Amen. I, I tell you, you can't, look, living for God is spiritual with a lot of practicality. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't emphasize. So many times we ended up out in left field because we over-scienced what God was asking us to do. And the elder just this morning just made it so plain. So how many of you guys are going to go find a steer today? <laughs> yeah, I guess we could just Google a picture, huh? <laughs> but it's not the same, you know? It could be Photoshop. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, as he was preaching and, and teaching this morning, he kept saying, I know this isn't, he said, I'm not trying to destroy your faith. But every time he said it, I don't remember the exact chapter and verse, but the scripture does tell us that he that winneth souls is wise. You're not wise because you won the souls. You use wisdom to win them. <laughs> then the reason I say that is because every time I hear somebody talking about reaching out, if you go to Matthew chapter 10, I want you guys to all see this in your Bible. So grab your Bible real quick. And I'm, I'm not going to be long. Matthew chapter number 10. And maybe you've seen it in its old hat to you, but there you go. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 16. Jesus is, is commissioning his people his disciples to go ahead of him and announce his coming to these different cities to proclaim Jesus to these cities. And the first thing Jesus says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise. We could stop right there. Be wise as serpents, but be harmless as doves. Use wisdom when you're reaching for people. I love everybody. If everybody was here today that God has brought into our life since we've opened the doors to this church, this building would be absolutely packed full. But distractions come. Some, unfortunately, were, exactly as he mentioned, scaffolding. God used them, brought them into our lives, let us get to the next level, and they moved on. Some to other churches. Some just left the church altogether. I, In fact, some folks even just pulled in, said, hey, I felt like I needed to stop by and hand you, and I've had people to stop by and hand me $100 bills. 
I don't know what you need it this for, but I want I want to help whatever's going on here. I'm thankful for those people. Without those people, the church couldn't go forward. God strategically puts them in those places, whether they're demons or not. God can use people to help take you to the next level. Well, glory. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. If we're going to win our loved ones, if we're going to win those that are around us, those that God has put upon our hearts, we've got to have wisdom to do that. Amen. Yes, it takes faith. Yes, we operate in faith. I believe God wants to fill this building. But here's the thing. I alone can't teach 60 Bible studies a week. Does that make sense? So that's why I spend time with you folks, teaching you how to love to study the Word of God so that you can then go and teach others. It's really that simple. I'm not trying to hide that fact. I'm trying to raise up some Bible study teachers, some people that love the Word of God so much that you can't go a day without talking about it to somebody. Amen. And, don't, and if you know me, most of you do, you know how I do things. Sometimes I show up, I might have something all laid out, Brother Mullins, but we don't touch it. Because what I like to do is when I get there, I ask, I, I, I try to spend three to four hours getting in preparation for every Bible study. I just try to, so that my, way my mind's ready. That may include Bible study. That may, most of that's going to be prayer, though. God help me. Because when I sit down across the table from somebody or in a chair next to somebody and I start talking to you, I want to be sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost that it doesn't matter what study that I have in this book. I got a book that has all the answers to every question that we could ever ask. And I want to be sensitive enough to answer the questions that are in the lives of the saints of this church so that you can stop bumping your head against the wall and get to moving forward. Because the, the closer we get to God and the more active we are in our relationship with God, the more he can use us to help those around us. Amen. I love each and every one of you. And uh, as he mentioned a while ago, yes, I want to say happy Father's Day to all of you fathers that are here today. If you're listening online, happy Father's Day to you as well. Amen. Uh, Brother Tuffy, you want to help me out this morning? Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, let's pray over this offering and... Uh, then Brother Mendez has some things he wants to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace today. We thank you for your mercy. And God, we thank you especially for your word today, for bringing and speaking wisdom into our lives. Lord, I'm asking that you would bind our hearts and our minds together. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, as we leave this place today. God, let us leave this house, but never from your presence, God. I pray that you would help us today. Bless this offering this morning. Bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.
Praise the Lord. All right. So as you know, today is Father's Day, and as you also know,